0: Hi, welcome to my podcast, Stories by Vera V. Today, I'm joined with a very special guest. Hi, I'm Sasha, or on Instagram, at a London girl. And today, we'll be discussing what's it like studying at UCL. Interesting stories by interesting people. Stories by Vera V. Would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Um, So yeah, I'm a postgrad student at UCL, studying international real estate and planning. Um, so I've only been at UCL technically for a term now, but I did my undergraduate in Nottingham. So been in the London in the UK system for a while now.
0: What's spring break been like for you? I mean, sorry, winter break. <laughs> <laughs> a
1: little bit in the future. <laughs> Getting ahead of yourself there. <laughs> um, intense. I mean, I know it's different for like the American system. But here we have a whole load of like, it'll be either exams or coursework that are due literally as soon as we get back. So I have three essays to write over winter break. Um, So it's been trying to find that balance between actually spending time with your family and trying to get everything done. That's very interesting how they do that. Because here, I think it's
0: everything's due before winter breaks. Then that way you can actually Mm -hmm. take the time off and just do whatever.
1: I know. I find it so of my best friends at Cornell and I find it so annoying because she comes back from Cornell having had a really intense term. She's like, okay, so like what are we doing over winter break? I'm like, I'm studying. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess it also depends
0: on what kind of major you have. Is there such, I don't know, this is going to sound really dumb, but I'm just really not familiar with the British no, system. True. Is there like um,
1: a... naval system? Yeah. Yeah. How does that work? I don't know. So... I know that you guys, you know, you might say that you do comp sci as your major, but you have to take things like you might have to take a language credit or a sport credit. Yeah. Uh huh. We don't have that. Like, really? So, for example, backtrack to the UK system. So from 16 to 18, you actually only study three or four subjects.
2: Uh-huh. So you
1: pick three or four specific subjects that you study and then you go to university and you study one subject. Like solely one subject so I studied geography at my undergrad I mean obviously geography is quite broad but you know <laughs> you don't you don't have in the same way that you guys have to do certain credits outside your specific school mm-hmm. so you've really got to choose something that you like when you go to uni here because you can't really do the whole like swapping major thing like if you apply for I don't know dramatic arts you can't suddenly swap to medicine
0: really oh that's so interesting because here yeah. you, well first of all like you said you could always switch it but then also i don't know if it's like that there but you could also do a minor so you could do like a major psychology and a yeah. minor of economics is that a thing
1: no no <laughs> i mean we had i think we had one module which we could take that was outside our school but it had to then be approved by our school so i did uh mandarin so i studied chinese for three mm-hmm. years at, at uni but it's very rare that you will really find... So I know you could do a few economics modules, but none of it counts as like... You won't say, oh, geography minored in Mandarin. No, you just got geography. Uh-huh. So you have to be fully committed then, huh? <laughs> Yeah. So that's why... It's quite interesting because for what are 16 to 18 exams, we call them A-levels, mm-hmm. and they're actually done up to the level of your first year at uni. So, for example, if I got a maths A-level, which is what we get 18 that's the equivalent of your first year of university maths credits. Uh huh. So like we do things to a very, very specific, they, they do specialize early here, but you know, it's good if you know what you want to do. Yeah. Not so good if you're not sure. Do you feel
0: like that system of studying four subjects for the, I guess, A-levels, was that helpful
1: for you? Or would you change anything about it? It was helpful in a way for me because I knew English and history, not for me, Mm. did not like them. Um, And I knew that I was really good at maths and geography, but then you do end up in the problem. So I ended up doing maths, biology, chemistry, geography. Yeah. And chemistry was not for (laughs) me either, but I didn't find that out until I was 17. So in my second year of doing it, by which Mm. point it's too late to drop, to change it. So you just have to carry it on. Uh Um, And there's such a heavy weighting put on them so that if you don't choose them properly, like, you're a little bit screwed. Yeah. Um, I mean, in some ways it's good because, you know, we had kids who, like, were not good at science, maths, that wasn't for them. So then in their A-levels, they could just do, you know, English, history, dramatic arts, you Mm -hmm. know. So I think it gives you more freedom, but it does assume from a young age that you know exactly what you want to do
0: Mm -hmm. and the a-levels they're not a requirement right it's kind of optional
1: uh yeah so i might be wrong here but i think we can leave school at 16 but you have to go to a college of some sort so you have different types so we have something called a-levels obviously we also have something called ib which is international baccalaureate where you do more subjects or you can go to like college and you study um vocational specific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I'll be honest, I don't know much about them because I went to the kind of school where it was like ninety-nine percent of people go to university. Uh-huh. So we were just sort of funneled down the path of university. Because I think I might be wrong again here, but I'm pretty sure that um schools get um bonuses for if their kids go to uni. Do they? Huh. I might be wrong. But that's interesting. <laughs> yeah but it's different, yeah. But, but to be fair, I don't know, do you guys have such a culture of like taking a gap year?
0: Um, yeah, you I mean, uni? yeah, no, that's, that's pretty common, I'd say. Not like everybody does it, but it's definitely an option.
1: Yeah, because you guys have four years. It well, is four years. You? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you took a gap year and then did four years, you're not going to graduate till you're... Like
0: 23 or 24. 23, that's
1: kind of, oh my God that's old that's old <laughs> yeah and but think then, about it but uh-huh. you could have been working for five years by that point no that's how I think of it yeah because I mean you
0: you, you don't want to go to uni do you no we're well, not planning I'm, to go to uni no but I mean technically because the system it's kind of weird in a sense that I technically have a year of university completed like by credits because everything's counted by credits so you, you guys have one of the weirdest systems I've ever seen. It is, I can't understand it completely myself.
1: <laughs> I find it so so odd. Like the fact that you guys graduate with like what your GED, and you oh, just that's it. You like you I don't mean, come up with grades? No, GED is an option because usually
0: so right now I'm graduating early, but I'm graduating, so I'm gonna get my diploma and like my grades and stuff. But if I were to drop out right now and not finish, but then come back to school later on to finish high school, then I'd get my GED. That's like a test saying that, you know, you have that basic education.
1: You can graduate. What does graduate early mean? Oh,
0: Oh, (laughs) I guess I have to elaborate. So graduating early from high school. So like I said, everything's counted by credits. So to graduate high school, you need like 200 40. I don't know, don't quote me, but somewhere around there. So basically, if you get all your credits for your needed subjects early, then you can graduate early. So I'm doing it one semester early. Does that make sense? We cannot do that. Really?
1: So, how is that measured? Like, it do you not have oh, credits or? <laughs> so, we do it all based on like nationwide exams. So, for example, at 16, 15, 16, that, so year 11 for us. Um, you take your GCSEs, which is normally Mm. you take nine or ten subjects. You go and sit an exam, which, you know, pretty much everyone in the nation sits, and you get graded per subject. So, for example, if you ask someone, what did you get at GCSEs? Like, for me, I'll sit there and go, I got seven A stars, four A's, Mm -hmm. you know? And once you've done your GCSEs, you then go on to either college and do, you know, so you could do BTECs, which is like the vocational ones. I think you do a vocational thing, you go do IB and you get that's a point system. We could go do A levels. So like if you ask someone A levels, they'll go, oh, I have three A stars or there were two A stars and an A in those three specific subjects. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's so interesting. It's also so different. So like we <laughs> are actually I wanted to ask you about this because for us applying to university, we apply around September, I think the deadline sometime in January, maybe. Mm-hmm. And you get given an offer, maybe February or March for us, but it's an unconditional offer until you've sat your A-levels, which you sit in May, June time, and you get the results for in like August. Mm-hmm. So we don't actually know if we've been fully accepted to our university until like the month before we're supposed to go. Really? <laughs> Whereas I've seen stuff where you guys like get your offers and then like the last term of school doesn't really matter for you.
0: Yeah, I mean, unless you do something really bad, like if you break some sort of honor code or something that makes you get suspended or expelled, then yeah, they would reconsider. Yeah. But other than that, it's pretty much solid. was so odd. Yeah, <laughs> it's so uncertain in your guys' system because it's like, I wouldn't be sure, you know, if I'm in or if I'm out.
1: Oh no I, I missed my grades so I was supposed to go to UCL for my undergrad mm-hmm. as well and I missed my grades so I didn't go there in the end I went to uh, my like backup because mm-hmm. we have a thing called clearing so if you miss your grades um, you can basically there are certain universities which say you know we still have x number of places left on this course and you basically pull mm-hmm. them up and you're like hi please give me a place, and they'll say yes or no based on what grades you've got in the end
0: and for the undergraduate, you went to the University of Nottingham. How do you pronounce it? Nottingham? Nottingham. 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you liked it there because I saw your little um, Q&A for the highlights. I read all of that.
1: <laughs> I loved Nottingham. So I missed my grades and I was supposed to go to UTL. And I, I'm glad I'm there now. But oh, my God, I would not want to go there for undergrad. <laughs> I, Nottingham, genuinely will just always have a special place in my heart. And my dad went to Nottingham, and actually my grandmother went to Nottingham as well. Uh-huh. So, like, I'm um, oh, it was just such a brilliant university because the way we work at uni is, so you guys have quite intense, like, set classes, nine to five, like, hours yeah. a day. We don't, you know. Maybe I had eight contact hours a week, like, eight lectures, technically speaking, uh-huh. um, which basically... If you went to them, you went to them. If you didn't, you didn't. Like, there was none of this attendance, you oh. know? <laughs> um, and so the way we'd get we'd get set, because I did geography, it was all basically essay-based. You know, I'd have five or six essays a term. You basically just, oh, that's, that's probably an exaggeration. But, yeah, and you just did those. And so in third year, my final year, there was one uh, module. I didn't go to a single lecture because... It was all online, so we just sort of tuned in and watched it. Um, I just sat the exam, and I was good to go. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's it's very, very you get what you you get what you put in for these degrees, and you can attend as much or as little as you want. It's very independent learning, which is where mm-hmm. I think it's different.
0: I've heard of that. So basically, is it kind of like you get assigned a certain amount of coursework and material, and then you just complete it at your own pace? Obviously, there are deadlines
1: for it, but is it yeah? so okay like it's still like for my degree take um i'm currently writing a coursework on evaluation analysis for a property in london and i probably should have but didn't <laughs> attend half the lectures this term but they're all recorded because obviously covid they're all recorded and so i can just work through them at my own pace um you know Ideally, I should probably watch them all to learn the knowledge, but realistically, you only need to learn enough to get the coursework, undergrad especially. So mm. yeah. But I mean, it is interesting because we obviously have seminars and stuff, which means it's like what five, six people. And that's where it's interesting. Cause you have certain topics and you just get to go along and you basically talk to people about mm. really interesting topics. And that's what I love about university is the opportunity to actually talk to people. Is it graded, the seminars? No. Hmm. Well, we had one graded seminar this term. But, I mean, it, it's kind of difficult to grade a seminar. Really? <laughs> I mean, I'm, for, I'm not sure uh, uh, how could you grade it.
0: For us, I mean, obviously it's high school level, so it's different. But I'm pretty sure uh, my sister, because she went to university, she had a graded Socratic seminar. So do you know what Socratic seminars are? Socrates it's like his thing whatever I'm not really too familiar with it now because I haven't done it in like two years but basically all the ones that we've had were graded you had to ask a certain number of questions and you had to participate in it otherwise your grade would go down and then the teacher would mark for every time that you know you contributed something useful
1: and did it so very structured. <laughs> wow I mean so we had this time we had a set of seminars which There were, what, five seminars in total. Every other week, there were two people leading the seminars. But we have the problem, not problem, but obviously, UCL is a very international university. Mm -hmm. So I think half my group were international. So you can't really be grading them on the same level in some ways because, you know, if I start speaking really, really fast about complex ideas, their English might be good, but it's still not going to be quite um the level of me speaking at high speed mm-hmm. so it, we do have that difficulty but no we had every other week two people led the seminars and they were assessed on it I mean truthfully I don't really understand how we were assessed on it but
2: <laughs>
1: you're I <had> fun. <laughs> I had fun I really enjoy these things I that sounds very engaging
0: this. yeah because you, you just get to collaborate on ideas and brainstorm that sounds very interesting
1: it's more interesting at postgrad because you end up with a lot of people where Some people like me go straight into their master's out of uni. But we have one guy who, you know, he did his degree over in Canada. He worked a job for a bit and then he came over, um, came back to UCL to do his. So he has a lot of experience. And then Mm -hmm. obviously it's led by the seminar leader who is himself an academic. So you just get some really, really interesting stuff coming out that you otherwise wouldn't have. No, definitely. Because I feel like that
0: also makes people... More interested in their subject as a whole instead of just doing things to do them.
1: Oh my sense? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that people were concerned about with um, university going basically online is that why am I paying for something which I can essentially just entirely do <laughs> on my own? Yeah. Because um, that was my concern. Like at Nottingham, it was fine because, you know, everyone kind of gets an undergrad or whatever. But doing a master's, I was like, especially because this is like a professional master's it's sort of um needed if I want to go on to do my professional accreditation in real estate um Mm -hmm. I was like I want to be talking about this like I've chosen to be here I want to be talking to people who are interested in it and a lot of the ideas are a lot more complicated so why would I pick something I can do at home so that's why I think these like seminars and tutorials are really really important Mm -hmm.
0: how many are there in a month or like during a semester for those seminars. I think you mentioned it.
1: Um so for one of my modules we had it every other week basically so I think we end up having six maybe six maybe. But um for my economics module we had every week. Uh-huh. Um, so we'd have 45 minutes of going through the lecture material. This was my favorite module by far by the way. Economics. I economics like no. and the professor was just brilliant. Um, anyway, so we we would spend forty five minutes going through the lecture material, and then we'd break off forty five minutes and work in groups. And that one was really interesting because well, I mean, there's currently restrictions; you're not allowed more than thirty people in a room, which is also good because it means that you know we'd then break down into like six groups of five, and every week you rotate around which group you're with.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So you get the opportunity to talk to everyone about. oh, It's just so interesting. Is that just crazy. economics? Uh mm-hmm. huh. Um, and so you um, said there's a different professor yeah. for it? Uh, yeah, so we have different professors for every module. And the module's how long? Uh, normally, well, all my modules are one term long here. Sometimes you mm-hmm. have year-long ones, but these ones are all one term. So, so it's like
0: what? a class, basically, right? Because it's it's a yeah. kind of subject. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So, for example, my modules this term are European planning practices, economics, appraisals, and development Mm -hmm. real estate development so yeah and economics your favorite oh yes but that's mainly just because I I I absolutely love our professor um she's just so cute and her lectures like it's obviously quite complicated doing like um economics of real estate she Mm -hmm. makes it sound so like easy that she breaks it down so well that i'm i'm just in i'm in love and then we go into the 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 seminar things and she explains it so well and she like really consolidates it and then we obviously have our seminars and she brings in these external speakers we actually get people who um who are in the industry you know Mm -hmm. is that when you have that one or two professors who are just brilliant it, it really really makes it worth it like my my fashion professor in third year she was like that she was just they just bring that energy mm-hmm. fashion professor yeah so this is ah this is this is what's fun <laughs> about geography is mm. I one of my modules was a fashion module so I wrote my final essay on um fashion is a feminist issue discuss so, mm-hmm. um, that was my highest grade <laughs> so um oh another thing I find interesting so my the girl who lives with me Hannah she's Canadian and you know, I'll sit there and be like, oh yeah, you know, I got um I got an 82 on that essay. Say that to anyone in England, they're like, You you got an 82? And they're oh. like, wow. Say that to anyone in North America, they're like, I averaged a 96 in my final year. I'm like, because in the UK, if you get above 90 in um university, that means it's like academic publish worthy. You don't really? you can't basically can't get above ninety. Um yeah. <laughs> So nobody gets 100%. <laughs> oh, no, you, you certainly not in an essay subject. I mean, I think you probably can in like a maths subject where it's obviously right or wrong, but mm-hmm. in an essay subject, no. Because the way ours is graded is there's a weird transfer So I don't think it's exactly accurate. But um, our equivalent of a 4.0 GPA is a first-class degree mm-hmm. for which you have to average over 70 and then it's over 60, is a two one, which I think is a 3.2 or something.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then, you know, so we go first class, two one two two third third class, fail.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> wow, that's very interesting. That's why it's really interesting trying to, like, translate our grades into yours. Because if you look at all the calculators online, they're like, okay, first class, you've got a 4.0 GPA. And I'm like, I'll take it, but... I don't think it's quite the same uh-huh yeah very complex <laughs> yeah it's, it's quite interesting the, the thing that I find most interesting is the fact that you guys have like credits for sports oh yeah mm-hmm. you have compulsory how often do you have to do sport then I mean I'm not sure
0: at a university level because I'm pretty sure at for university high level it's optional but for um high school They changed the requirement. It was two years out of four because high school is four years, right? It's from ninth grade to 12th. You graduate when you're 18, technically. So you had to do two years and you could do it whenever. You could do a sport, but then you'd have to do off-season training for it. So like basically the whole year. Fun. (laughs) But now they changed it to just one. So one out of the four years, you just have to do physical education or whatever.
1: So you only... That was not what I was expecting you to say. What were you expecting? Because, I mean, obviously you're not in Canada, <laughs> but in Canada, she, um, Hannah was saying that um, they basically did sport almost every day. Um, mm. I'm like, wow. Because we had sport once a week, maybe?
2: <laughs> once a week?
1: <laughs> what did you guys once do? <laughs> a, like in secondary school, we had sport once a week. In It was completely optional in final year. Once a week, I think, in year 12 and 11. Um, But, yeah, we we would cycle through whatever our compulsory one was for the term. It was normally netball in the winter, rounders or tennis in the summer. Netball Mm -hmm. and hockey and rounders and tennis for girls. That sounds fun. Sports and stuff. It should be fun. Uh But I feel like... They kind of missed the point of it, which is the point is that everybody should graduate or like leave school with a sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the problem is, is certainly at my school, it was a bit of a, unless you were in the A team, the top team for the sport, it wasn't really. And they didn't pay attention. So I, I played tennis and rounders, they were my sports. Mm-hmm. Summer sports were not taken seriously in comparison to like hockey and netball, which was a bit mm-hmm. of a pity. Uh-huh. and like we'd be lucky if we got two tennis matches then um, in summer really <laughs> yeah um
0: because you, you do tennis don't you I yeah I mean yeah we just finished our season
1: <laughs> what do you mean by season
0: oh yeah so and how have I, you just finished your season it's it's winter because <laughs> tennis it's a fall sport so you have like tennis is not a fall sport <laughs> tennis is a summer sport I mean, yeah, but that's as close as you can get because we don't have school during summer. So summer's off, you can do tennis camp, but then you come in and you do your tennis season. And it starts as soon as school starts, like August 26th or so. August 24th. Wait,
1: when do you end school for the, for the summer?
0: When we end, like June 6th or something. It's the beginning of June.
1: But then wouldn't you say that you would do tennis from like... April to June yeah April to June that term and that summer term
0: that'll be spring (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's different but yeah so the season is it's one semester long so a semester is like I don't know I don't know how many months it is but it's from September say the very beginning of September to hours ended yeah before that I think hours ended Maybe the beginning of November or end of October.
1: How much do you train for that?
0: How much what? Do you train for that? Oh, yeah. So we just train during. There's summer camp before that, but it's optional, obviously. But it's like you have um, two matches every week out of the five days, and then the rest you just train. So it's three training days and then two matches per week.
1: Wow.
0: So I think total it's 18 games or so. It's quite a bit. You really get to practice
1: that's pretty solid
0: that's yeah. nice though
1: isn't it yeah, Do a lot of people have a sport or a lot of people on some sort of sport or yeah
0: that's a very common thing because I mean you wouldn't want to do physical education PE that's really boring so sport is just more fun to get the credits in I guess
1: ours is just called PE PE and then we showed up and did whatever the teachers told us for P. an hour and a half and then left yeah it's the same thing here
0: PE. nobody really wants to do it that much
1: mm-hmm. The worst one is a cross-country cross, cross, cross day. Like mm-hmm. I swear that That's the day when the nurse has a lot of sudden, oh, I have a migraine, my knee hurts. <laughs> cross-country, because they run like three miles, I think at a minimum or something. I just remember it's three laps of the field. I'm like, so you expect a bunch of people who quite frankly, I don't think I'd ever done a run in my life. And then I show up and they're like, yep, we expect you to do the, like three laps of the field. I'm like, I can't even walk that. you
0: really get the feel of a cross-country athlete so I guess there's some benefits of that
1: (laughs) yeah that's why I find interesting because I run now like I really enjoy running but they did not instill any form of love for sport at my secondary school (laughs) (laughs) from what it sounds like I can I can kind of sense that (laughs) (laughs) but then I went to Nottingham uh, Uh and Nottingham is very good for sport and they have, um, what's it called? I think it's called Engage, where basically you could try any sport and everybody was basically a beginner. So I got to try some really fun. That's where I took up like shooting, clay pigeon mm-hmm. shooting. Um, did a bit of like, I don't know, you could do anything boxing, swimming, lacrosse, anything mm-hmm. you want. And it's really, really good. Like, I'm a huge advocate for Nottingham personally. Uh huh. Um, but yeah.
0: <laughs> Is there people getting into university for sports, like sports scholarships?
1: Sports scholarships aren't necessarily as big of a thing here as I Mm. think they are for you guys. Like, I mean, one of my friends has a fencing scholarship, which gives her a full ride, basically. Mm. But, I mean, she's also GB champion. But, like, you know, we'll have people... I'm pretty sure for, like, if you're good at rugby... They'll basically want you. Um, I think you get sort of leniency of being accepted, like you might be allowed a slightly lower grade sort of thing.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, but does that increase your increase chance
0: people. of acceptance?
1: Yeah, but you'd have to be like first team. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I want to say yes, because a lot, I mean, we had so many England lacrosse players. That uh-huh. can't have been a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> but also with applications what do they look
0: at when you apply to university because here it's really weird because it's it's not just academics and sports you really have to be yeah. like a well-rounded person
1: that's really really an interesting distinction between the uk and the us especially mm. for like it's been a little while since i applied to them but so my brothers my older brother he applied to Harvard, Yale, Oxford, just wherever else. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he got accepted to Oxford. He now does did his postgrad and master's going on to do a PhD there. Um, but he got waitlisted at Harvard and Yale because for you guys, you have to have well-rounded individuals, you know, you <sighs> drama, music, sport. Uh-huh. <laughs> Whereas here, like, because we are one subject you do you've got to have a passion for that one subject mm-hmm. it's a lot more academics so I mean he sat there and he could have named like four prestigious essay prizes that he'd been accepted to which is everything that you know Oxford and big mm-hmm. uni's looking for whereas like you know Harvard and Yale are like yeah but where's your music where's, where's your sport <laughs> yeah. you know uh-huh. um, but I mean I think it's interesting because you end up with different individuals to like My little brother's at Oxford as well. He really loves it. He's doing classics. Um, Mm -hmm. But he does say sometimes, he's like, almost everyone at Oxford, there is something just a little bit off about them. Because to be that academically intelligent, that, like, focused, it does sometimes come at the detriment of other things. Mm -hmm. That's a personal opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, But no, generally here, there's a lot more weight onto academics.
0: Yeah. Um, That's very interesting. So there's no such thing. Like, I mean, I guess maybe it just doesn't factor in volunteer hours and such.
1: Um, Or like club presidents. Yeah, I think so to apply, you basically write a personal statement. Um, We have a thing called UCAS, which is basically the central system for where we apply for everything. And Mm -hmm. you write a personal statement. I can't remember how long it is now. It's maybe a page, maybe less, which basically describes your motivation for wanting to apply for this subject. You know, why you'd be a good fit for the subject. And it's basically a standardized one that you get, that you send to five, you pick five universities that you can apply to. You can only Mm -hmm. apply to five universities here. Um, And you send your personal statement and then you have references from your teachers. And I, you know, you can basically talk about whatever you want in it. Mm -hmm. But I'm pretty sure I just talked about academics. I think you fill out uh, another sorry it's been a little while since I've done this I think you <laughs> fill out certain forms which say like you know if you've got um music grades or you've done have you know, drama grades as well um or we have something called Duke of Edinburgh actually which is quite well known here which was set up by the Duke of Edinburgh which is basically an award where it has sort of four parts where you do an expedition so the gold award which is the highest you do a five-day expedition I want to say so you know you basically hike for five days and camp Mm -hmm. like the wilderness or whatever Uh why they let a bunch of 17 year olds do this (laughs) I mean we had one group which fell down a cliff oh the whole group like two of the group fell down a cliff and like the teachers had to come out and rescue them and then on their next hike they got so lost that they ended up getting back to camp at 10 p.m I was like why no one one. yeah (laughs) why did no one change this group up um but no that's one component another component of that you have to do a certain number of volunteering hours a certain number of sport hours a certain number Mm -hmm. of an activity like a another activity and a residential camp because the idea is is it's supposed to like make you more well-rounded as a person Mm
2: -hmm. and you
1: know when you get your gold dv you go to the palace and you know um Buckingham Palace and one of the royals. Who did we have? Well, I can't remember which. It's normally the Duke of Edinburgh, <laughs> but he retired. You know, yeah. and, and and then they have a bunch of celebrities or minor celebrities. I think Benedict Cumberbatch did it one year, and you're mm. in groups and you sort of have your celebrity, and it's all. It's just a lovely little. It's a very very British affair. It uh-huh. <laughs> sounds really fun. <laughs> yeah, it is really fun. But a lot of people do that because it it's. Yeah, I think there's certain like sponsorships you can get to do things and but we don't really do volunteering hours Mm -hmm. at all I'm starting to uh, we don't really create very well-rounded individuals here (laughs) very academically intelligent though (laughs) no I mean you can choose like your subjects for A-levels you could choose music as one of your subjects Mm -hmm. um or you could choose PE as one of your subjects although that's more sports science than necessarily PE but yeah. And
0: for the personal statement, do you just write more about your ambition with the subject and where you want to go to, what you want to do with it, or is it more centered on personal experience?
1: Um I think it's more on your I actually found mine the other day, which is what is shocking. Yeah. Um uh... I think you just write about the subject, what you like about it, you know, what specific parts you enjoy. And then you sort of chuck in some stuff about like the extracurriculars that you do. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm not sure because you guys do specific essays with essay prompts, don't you? I mean, yeah, there's also the personal essay. I
0: think that's a requirement when you apply. I'm not sure where, but I know my sister did it. And all my friends are who are applying to like universities and not community college. They're all writing it. But for us, it's kind of, the standard is that you have to, like, it's not the standard, but I mean, most people, they don't talk about their ambitions. It's more of like a personal story. So it's kind of a sob story. Like if I'm being honest. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Yeah. (laughs) Guilt trip them into accepting you. No, seriously. I'm pretty sure it's a running joke. I don't know if you've already seen um, videos like this, but it's literally everywhere. It's kind of like the more you can. <laughs> this sounds really bad, <laughs> but the more you can, I guess, push on that sort of pity side, the better. The more traumatic of a story you have, the better. Really? Yeah, that's how. I mean, from my personal experience, yes.
1: Oh my gosh, I just I just found my um, my personal statement from back in twenty seventeen, and basically it's what it's six hundred words. Um, it's I just talk about a c- couple of books that I found really really interesting Clive Oppenheimer's book on eruptions you basically and then there's one paragraph of like 50 words at the end which says you know I do other stuff mm-hmm. so <laughs> it's basically 500 words of me just saying I read lots of books that are about my subject my subjects are about this this is why you should this is what I'm interested in, this is why you should let me in. It's Mm. not at all. There's not really anything about me as a person in it. Wow. No. It's just about my complete interest in the subject, because obviously we're applying for a very specific subject. So
2: Mm.
1: you're doing it for three years and just that for three years. So
2: you've got to be
0: interested in it. Mm. So for your field of study specifically, how would you summarise it? Because I kind of get what it is, like real estate, but it's, what is it specifically?
1: Does that make sense? Oh my gosh. So, <laughs> well, I mean, I don't really know. Uh, no. Um, so mine kind of has two parts, which is the real estate part, which is the sort of finance and economic side of things. You know, like, is it economically viable for me to buy this building? So you run a valuation, you run these financial models and you say, you know, Mm -hmm. yeah we should buy this building no we shouldn't there's that sort of thing
0: is it in comparison Um, to the market or how do you evaluate it
1: um yeah so there's a number of things that you use to evaluate a property you know the property itself you know sort of its location its um structure if it's in good quality and then obviously you have market conditions so for example what's market growth going to look like um is uh, what's the growth rate? What's inflation? What's what's the, eco- the economy in general doing? Mm-hmm. All of these different things affect the value of the building. Um, but then I'm also doing planning as well. So this is something which, to be honest, most people never really think about because you don't have to. But you know, you have to get planning permission for almost anything that you do, especially in the UK. Mm-hmm. And um for us, we have a very tight planning system. I'm not a big fan of it. I can mm-hmm. talk about it for hours, but um, <laughs> So, so we sort of, we study the different planning restrictions and how planning can impact a lot of things. So the current essay that I'm writing is about how um, planning, how infectious disease spread is affected by planning practices.
2: Mm.
1: Um, and there, there's just so many little things which you don't realise are really impacted by the planning decisions in the built environment Um I can't of an example right now so by planning is it like property planning yeah so if I want to build a house you know you've got to get planning permission for that um, and then you submit the kind of designs that you want to build for the house and then you know the um, the planning officer will sit there and say okay well I like the idea that you want to build a house but your house has to fit in with the rest of the community around it, so you know you have mm-hmm. to have a red brick house, or it has to have tiles. You know, it's sort of to try and create a cohesive community. Or, um, in in the UK, we have a lot of things called Grade Listed buildings mm-hmm. because we have a lot of old buildings. So, for example, I live in a Grade Two listed house because it's from the what, eighteen hundreds? Oh, wow. um, yeah. So, if you want to do things to a grade a listed building. You have to get planning permission for almost anything because you have to preserve the integrity of the building. And, you know, the facade, it still has to look like the original building would, mm-hmm. um, which is obviously another thing that goes into valuing a building because, you know, if I want to renovate a building, but I have to wait six months to get planning permission on it or longer than that. Um, mm-hmm. And then I have to be told that you can only do certain things. I think a really interesting example of it is. If you have a building above a certain number of floors, for instance, let's say four, you have to have a fire escape.
2: Because
1: mm-hmm. um, we had this problem with our house. They were like, okay, hey, you need to have a fire escape because of safety standards. But it's a listed building. And according to the listed building laws, putting a fire escape would um, affect the like looks of the building. Mm-hmm. Listed building trumps safety hazards. Or <laughs> does it? <laughs> yeah so basically Uh they said okay you don't have to have a fire escape because being a listed building trumps that." which I mean in one way is nice because it's like oh it would be ugly on the other hand it's like well if we have a fire like (laughs) safety I'm on the fifth floor what am I gonna do (laughs) yeah um but no that's that's the sort of thing that I do um and then obviously there's the other side of like you know actual property development where you that's a lot more like sort of business negotiation sort of thing where they they teach you about that and yeah the essay that we're doing on that at the moment is nonsense but yeah (laughs) what is it it means nothing to me and I'm supposed to be submitting this in two weeks it's uh, how does agency theory apply to a development problem Mm -hmm. yeah yeah no that's about how much it means to me as well I I don't. I've spent the entire term working on agency theory, and I don't know what it is. But now you have the whole winter break to work on it. Oh, yeah. I've already submitted two assignments on agency theory, and I still don't have a clue what it is.
0: I'm sure there's some sort of crash course videos on it. Agency theory. I've tried.
1: Yeah, I've tried nothing. I don't and I submitted it and then another girl on my course she goes you know that there's agency theory in relation to business and then there's agency re- theory in relation to real estate and I was like there is oh. <laughs> no, I, I didn't know that so which one but, do you have to be talking about um good question probably the one to do with real estate but uh-huh. <laughs> we'll we'll see how it goes I mean I'm just it's not gonna leave my room for the next two weeks mm-hmm. <laughs> what a fun time <laughs> love that for me new year's eve everyone else is celebrating i'm like oh finish my financial model <laughs> agency oh agency weary.
0: so That's what's amazing. the what would be the next step after you get your master's like what kind of job would you say you want to oh. go into um so
1: as i said earlier mine's like a sort of professional degree mm-hmm. which means that um you know be a property surveyor a development surveyor or a planning going to planning um and basically you have to complete something called the apc which is like the professional qualification um and to do that you have to have the masters the academic side of it and then you do two years of sort of practical experience and then you have to submit some work to pass that exam mm-hmm. so you know that's theoretically i'd probably go into i'd, I'd like to go into something that is to do with planning but isn't entirely planning based because it's so frustrating the system um hopefully you know something to do with development or planning um I genuinely have no clue I plan to go and take a gap year next year um I'll apply for a bunch of jobs see what interests me and then I'll go traveling I'll go live in Paris for a month and then go live in China for a couple that sounds fun (laughs) yeah and you already know some Mandarin
0: so it works out
1: Oh yeah, that's because I'm like well, at this stage, if I'm going to go take a gap year, I want to those, like productive gap years. Uh-huh. So like, just to learn Mandarin. Is there such thing as a real estate agent? Yeah. So my boyfriend's a real estate agent, um, mm. but for that you don't need any uh, degree or anything. Like he doesn't have a degree at all. He just,
2: uh-huh.
1: just you can you like you can go straight into that out of school and just train up in it. Um, okay. Whereas uh, see, For example, if you wanted to buy a house, you'd probably hire a surveyor who would basically go in and say, like, structurally, this house is sound, or these are the problems you would have in this house. These are the problems you wouldn't. Or, you know, if I'm a fund and I want to buy a commercial property, you know, you'd go to someone and say, "Can you value this property and tell me, you know?" Is this going to be profitable in the long run? What mm. kind of bid should I put in for the property? You know, what's my maximum minimum? How do I break even? That sort of thing. That's the kind of thing that um, I'm looking to do. Hopefully,
0: uh-huh, okay. So both are essential in the steps of if one is looking to purchase a house because you need yes. that. Ser- uh-huh. That's interesting. But- I don't know if that there is
1: here because I haven't. I haven't heard of it. Oh, you, you, you definitely will have. Um, some form of it, because you know. Mm-hmm. Let's be real. The real estate industry is huge. Yeah. But it, it, there's this is the thing: is the real estate industry is huge, and there's so many jobs that, you, like, you wouldn't think that if you want to build a house, you obviously need planning permission. If you want to get planning permission, you probably need to hire someone who knows a lot about planning to go and file your planning petition for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I mean, yeah, you could probably do it yourself, but it's complicated. Planning. Committee, and there's a lot of fees involved with it, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: um So, I mean, personally, I've just found it really interesting because I was like, Oh, real estate sounds fun, looks like there's money there. <laughs> and now I'm like, Oh my god, there's so much more here than I thought there was. Uh, love your logic, sounds fun, it looks like there's a lot of money there. Mate, <laughs> <laughs> honestly, you literally, I remember we went to our first social for our course, and you know, it's the sort of introduction, Oh, why are you doing this degree? And there's that sort of silence where everybody goes, We're all here for the money. Like, everybody is here to make money, but like, what's a polite way to say we just want the money? Uh. (laughs) But I mean, it's a slimy, slimy industry. And um, ethically, I probably don't agree with a lot of it, given that we can't afford to even buy a house. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Uh, Our generation, we will be permanently homeless, but.
0: Oh yeah, I've seen that because you always hear like older people. They're like, "When I was your age, I had seven kids and I had Dude. three houses."
1: <laughs> my dad bought a house in university just to live in at university, and then he sold it again. Like we were looking um, at the place that my parents used to own, like the flat they used to own. They bought it for ninety thousand in nineteen ninety something. Mm-hmm. Looked up the worth of it now; it is now worth seven hundred thousand oh in twenty years. How 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 did you? <laughs> how did you suddenly add an extra zero to that <laughs> yeah like my salary salari- the salaries haven't uh-huh. added an extra zero <laughs> but the the costs have yeah but also for university
0: have they also increased i mean i'm sure they have but it also been as drastic
1: um our university fees aren't quite like yours so if you're a home student it's nine pound a year to go to university here so overall it's 29 20- times three is 27. That was poor. £27,000 for three years. Mm-hmm. Um, but was it? I can't give you the year, but it was sometime in my lifetime. The fees didn't used to be that much. Um, they used to be practically non-existent.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then universities basically said, oh, you can charge fees up to 9000 I think it was with the idea that, you know, the better institutions you'd pay more for um but obviously then everybody just raises their fees to the maximum you're allowed to raise it to yeah Which, um i mean i yeah and and it's still subsidized by the government anyway but the, the big problem is is that certain degrees subsidize other degrees so like obviously geography, we don't have a lot of contact hours or whatever but say if you did science or medicine you're in almost every day you're using the labs so whereas I might not, as a person, make the most of the £9,000 they're using more than. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes sense.
0: But... And also, with would you say that in this current situation it is possible to attend, I don't know, UCL and pay all those fees and also support that endeavour via working a job that's available?
1: So... Um... I mean, I can speak from Nottingham. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very, very easily. You could have, yes, at Nottingham. Uh, Nottingham was also very good with the bursary. Like, one of my friends, she, you know, the university just emailed him, her, like, here's £5,000. <laughs> Fair
2: enough. All right. Another one.
1: <laughs> another one, she um, she applied for a scholarship and she basically did what you guys do. She just played a little sob story. She got <laughs> handed, something think, four grand for her scholarship.
2: Um, Not
1: bad. But for oxford and cambridge are not allowed like they make you sign a contract saying you won't work a job mm-hmm. because it's so intense you can't um and as for ucl doing my masters i mean i had a part-time job for the first three months or so so i quit at the end of november for two months two and a half months because it's just i i couldn't do both yeah like mars is also because you know i've got one year to learn everything I've got 12 months to learn something which some people take three years in their degree to do so it's obviously Mm -hmm. a lot more intense but yeah you could you could easily for undergrads work whilst doing it Mm -hmm. that's interesting (laughs) yeah well can you you do that in
0: America I mean no it's not really probable you could back like 40 years ago you could work because all that's really accessible is a minimum wage job so like a fast food restaurant or some sort of I mean, restaurant hostess, I don't know, just whatever you can find. And it's not really possible considering the minimum wage and then the cost that it is to attend university. What is time. your minimum wage? I think it's, in, I guess it's different state by state, but it's like $15 an hour, I think, or $14 an hour or maybe $13. i am not sure, but it's like $13 to $15 an hour. So I'm not sure. In, so like if you
1: worked as a waitress, would you get $15 an hour plus tips? I think so, Yeah.
0: But also depends where you're Mm -hmm. working because, I mean, the tips depend on, you know, the kind of people that come in.
2: I'm going to calculate this just quickly to see if I could theoretically do it. Quick maths. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I mean, if I worked, so the job I was working, I was getting about £13 an hour. If I worked 20 hours a week for a 1000 yeah, I could theoretically support myself at UCL but masters are more expensive as well. So mm, I've heard of that. Where an undergrad is nine grand, pretty standard. Obviously it's different for international. My mm. masters is double that. Also mm. Because some people get sponsored to do it and stuff. But no, theoretically you could like, yeah. Uh, one of the guys on my course, he's um, supporting, he's paying his way through it from his Depop shop. Really? Depop? Yeah. yeah. He was telling me about and I was like, why don't you just do that? Like, you're making good money there. (laughs) Probably a bit more long-term thinking to to go for real estate. Depop for a lifetime. I've been doing Depop for 40 years now. (laughs) Oh, my God. I would be so surprised if Depop were around in 40 years. I mean, I guess we'll see. (laughs) I mean, to be honest, in 40 years, hopefully we'll all be wearing secondhand clothes or not fast fashion yeah but but we'll we'll see we'll see how that goes Uh i
0: feel like that's a very interesting point to end the podcast episode on depop and secondhand (laughs) tune in next time to hear vera talk about (laughs) (laughs) do you have any final remarks or anything
1: oh really I'm just saying, if you want to go to university, go to Nottingham. (laughs) Okay. Sponsored by Nottingham. No, I'm joking. (laughs) Not yet. Not yet. Maybe Uh, in the next episode. I'm I'm just a big fan of the drug queen department in Nottingham. And, you know, UCL is great. UCL is good as well. But Mm -hmm. I've only been here for a term. So my experience so far is not quite the same as three years at my favourite university on the planet. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming. I really appreciate it. This has been so interesting. Thank you for inviting me. I, I mean, feel like- as I said before, I've been I've been I've been following you for a while.
0: <laughs> I feel like we really covered everything. <laughs> like all I could
1: think of. Yeah. Run out of things that you can talk about, to be honest about uni. What is it? Didn't cover or oh, didn't cover freshers and social stuff. And that's the only thing. Maybe in part two. Not that you'd, yeah. Not that you'd have that anymore because COVID. Yeah. Yeah. you can't can't go out anymore, can you? Mm. <laughs>